0: Good morning, morning. and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths. Really glad everyone's here. Got a couple announcements for us. First one is, uh, there's a communion right here. We got pods in the back. For those listening uh, at the podcast, please uh, secure your elements. In a couple weeks, on the 21st, we're going to have a congregational meeting. It's going to be brief but amazing right after the service. We're going to cover a couple things. Um, and then, actually, next Saturday, you've seen flyers about it. You've seen all kinds of other stuff about it. I guess that's all you can see about it. Maybe it's in the bulletin. Yep, that's another place you've seen it. We've got a hymn sing. 3 p.m. Yeah, Steve's round of applause. I don't know. I was just talking to my friend Mark Lackey, and he says, I want to sing, because He lives, number two ninety two in the hymnal. And I said, let's do that. Yeah, I think that might be on the list or something. There it is. Yeah. Now, you don't really dance like that to so that song. Yeah, that's a hip hop version. Uh, Child of the '80s, I confess. This quiet our hearts, still ourselves. And please stand and join me as I lead us into our call of worship. I'm going to read Psalm 8, verse 9. And this is from the Passion Translation. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Flowers, you get the base. Move that over there, maybe behind the cross over there, right next to this cross. Let's do that. Anyway, we couldn't see any lyrics over here.
1: Okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. What I'd like to talk today is about how important our Christian faith is to U.S. history. I don't know how many of you really know some of our interesting facts. You know. Capitalism, the form of our economy, works best when we have moral guidelines. And our founding fathers always felt the Christian faith is the way our economy works best. You know, Benjamin Franklin, for example, did a daily prayer at the Constitutional Convention, especially when we, when we had the debate between the small states and the big states. And he felt it was only through God's guidelines in principle, that they made it through that 3 months' discussion. Thomas Jefferson, some of you know, uh, rode horseback to church every day. And I don't know if most of you know where church was in Washington, D.C. It was in, at the U.S. Congress. U.S. Congress had church from 1801 past the Civil War. Also, James Madison attended the Supreme Court Justice House was used to have gospel messages every day. Executive buildings were always open for prayer. And so, if you think about it, our government works best when we follow God's principles. And let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, bless our country, bless our leaders, have them follow your guidelines and wills. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Kids, go ahead and pick up the little package that's left for you and go back to sit with your folks. Thanks so much.
2: treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up I be a fool. You are my all in my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name, you are my all in all, when I fall down, you pick me up, when I am dry, you fill my cup, you are my all in all, My strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, When fears are stilled when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless bay This gift of love
3: by darkness made and there's to for
2: The precious blood of Christ No guilt in life No fear in death This is the power of Christ in me From life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can never pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand till Returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I stand.
4: Love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let us align ourselves into a right relationship with God and neighbor by confessing our sins together. For failing to love others as you have loved us, God of grace, forgive us. For wasting your gifts and hoarding our goods, God of grace, forgive us. For plundering the earth and abusing the planet, God of grace, forgive us. For fearing those who are strange to us and ignoring those in need, God of grace, forgive us. For losing heart and abandoning hope, God of grace, forgive us. For all the ways we turn from you, God of grace, forgive us we offer our prayers in the name of the one who saves us, Jesus Christ, amen. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love. Be at peace and know that each one of us is forgiven. Amen.
1: I and I, coming kind of moment. Uh, all right. Uh, first of all, I would like to, to say good morning, everybody. Nice to be here. So I have
2: much chances to talk to everybody because I'm staying too long there. So <laughs> I would like to uh, to acknowledge the presence in our midst of a very good friend, former chorister, supreme soprano. So here is Casey. Please rise.
1: an exceptional a good friend
3: and a great, a great musician, great soprano. And I'd like you to present your fiancé
2: as well.
5: This is my...
0: peaceful let's take a nap and then uh, come back together my wife leaned over and whispered in my ear this is our anniversary of working here right right, right, right as the offertory was going and that's right Um, 2019 I was I I started this was my first Sunday in 2019 that's three years ago starting my fourth year that's nuts thanks Milan. Just kind of derailed me. That's all right. We'll get back into it. All right, what are we doing? We're talking about the Word of God. We're in a series. It's called "Lift Up Your Gaze," and we've been taking lectionary texts that are particularly calling us to raise up our head, you know, get, lift up our, our our field of vision. In the lectionary text today, we're looking at is from Hebrews, uh, author of Hebrews. We don't know who the author is. We know that this person was brilliant. Uh, most of the New Testament, most of the Bible is written at like a sixth grade reading level. Except the Gospel of John is written at like a third grade reading level, which is interesting because it's deep and profound, but simple. This is uh, Hebrews, the This book is written at a college or university level, Greek. Uh, Whoever wrote it was next-level intelligent and was obviously a Jewish person who had come to know Jesus Christ personally and was writing this to Jewish Christians, kind of firming up orthodoxy. Orthodoxy being like basic Christianity, basic what does it mean to follow Jesus. And he starts the letter by Jesus is better than. You know, like he says, angels, when they show up, everybody drops to their feet in worship. Jesus is better than angels. Moses, the greatest man in Hebrew history, Jewish faith history, he was good. But he brought the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus is better. And after each one, he says, or the author says, you listen to angels, you should listen to Jesus more. You listen to Moses, you should listen to Jesus more. And then he turns, the author turns the corner into the nuts and bolts of what does it mean to be a Christian? And at the heart of it, it's faith. Right? Faith. What is faith? He answers that question. He defines faith in the opening of our text this morning. And then he says some stuff. And I'll say some stuff about what he said about stuff. So let's read the author of Hebrews. There it is. Hebrews chapter 11, starting verse 1. I'm going to read to verse 3, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 8 and read through verse 16. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions, the conviction of things not seen. That's the definition of faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one person and this one as good as dead descendants were born, as as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore, all of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been seeking of, been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. I'll start with a homework assignment. Sometime over the next week, go back and wherever it says faith, say that long opening sentence. Like in verse 3. By the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God, so that that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Go through the passage. Remember, it's been kind of a a weekly challenge for me. Get in your Bibles. Get in your Bibles. I'm not even going to ask for people... To at, raise their hands because I'll probably be depressed. <laughs> How many are you re- reading your Bible? Charlotte is mad at me. She's been reading her Bible. Amen. And actually, a bunch of people raise their hands Like you need to shut up, Jason, right now. I am reading my Bible, so stop coming down on me. Here's your homework assignment: just fill in that things being certain. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions. Things not seen. Just read that passage. Actually, read the whole chapter. Um, that's just a, that's a freebie. You just get the you get the homework assignment right out of the gate. It's a challenge to get in the Word and get to understand what faith really is. What does it mean to be certain of things hoped for? Um. So. That's that. In this passage, I'm going to pull out two things and we're going to head to the table. Well, actually, I'm going to do some other stuff, but two points to this sermon. Make this simple. First, um, you need to understand the Hebrew concept of remember. All throughout the Old Testament, the word remember shows up. In fact, some systematic theologians think that's the main point of the Old Testament is the word remember. If you had to boil it down to one thing, remember, like the people forget that God is God, they get judged, they need to remember, 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 all throughout that, the Hebrew understanding of that word for remember is a visual, is a, it's a, it's a rowboat. You look back in order to see where you're going. It's a very Jewish understanding of, of remembering. And this author is calling to these Jewish Christians or actually reminding them. Has faith worked out for you in the past? His main point is actually faith has always been the root. Faith has always been the connection between God and human beings. And he goes to Abraham. Remember Abraham? God pulls him aside and says, You know, your descendants are gonna outnumber the stars. Your descendants are gonna outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. How many how many think that is? How many think how many grains of sand are on the earth? Try and think about that for a second. An astronomer friend once told me, if you hold your hand up to the night sky, you're blocking more stars than there are grains of sand on the earth. That's, that's a lot. Fast, you look back at the text. How old is Abraham when Isaac is born? 90, right? Like, how many times do you think, if they didn't have watches back then, but how many times a day would you, when when am I going to start this descendant thing? (laughs) When am I going to get some people, you know, that are of my tribe? What? There's a guy named Soren Kierkegaard. And uh, he wrote a book called Fear and Trembling. And he asks the question in that book. Well, first, the title comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, and I'll read that for us. If I have a bookmark there. I do. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, he's talking to the people of the Church of Philippi, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And Kierkegaard is wrestling with, what does that mean? I was having a conversation with Charlotte Pearson last week. We were just talking. She's a young girl. She just turned 18 yesterday, a few weeks ago. They celebrated yesterday. Okay, my wife is very frustrated. I'm not going to talk to her anymore. (laughs) But she's a bright young lady, and she's been studying Hebrew, and she's saying, I'm just blown away by the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. That word fear in Hebrew, it doesn't mean, like, terrified. It means um, awe, respect, worship. It's such a deeper... then what we, just, we think of horror, like we think of Friday the 13th movies, you know. <laughs> That's not the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> the, the awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. The, the knowledge that He holds everything in His hands, our our eternal destinations, the fate of everything, all of it. We're supposed to be in awe and worship of that. And then Kierkegaard's he says, how does, how does that play out? How do you work out your fear and your, your, your salvation with fear and trembling? And he says, I think it comes down to faith. I think it, it comes down to believing the unseen more than what is seen. And then he asks the reader, you and I, What's the greatest moment of human faith in all of history? All of human history. You could say Jesus because this is a Christian church and usually the answer is Jesus. But he's fully God, fully man. Kierkegaard says, it's Abraham. When he raises that knife up to take his firstborn, although his his God has promised him his descendants are going to outnumber the stars. Faith got him through. Are there moments in your life where faith has gotten you through? Think about those moments. God doesn't let us down. A lot of times, he's a lot slower than I would wish. <laughs> But he he comes right on time. Not before, not after. Right on time. And so the first thing that we get from this passage, or I'm going to draw out of this passage, is acknowledge, affirm those moments when faith in a God unseen has done things that Blow everyone else out of the water. This job, this job, was faith. I had faith. I I knew God was taking care of me. I had followed my call. I was a pastor up in Muskegon, Michigan this recovery ministry called Northeast of the Well brought me back into California. And as I was cruising up to a halfway house up, up, up off a harbor in, in uh, Garden Grove, I was reading that book, Draw the Circle. We just read it, or I, I just talked about it. We just walked around the city about it. And... Um, I took a right turn when I drove around this church in 2018, the fall of 2018, probably around September, October. I drove around this building and I said, God, I pray for this place. I didn't know you were looking for a pastor. I had been married here. My wife and I kissed for the like made a the mystery like the covenant you know like we're going to go through life together right here we kissed 2001 cruising around this the ne- that Thursday I met with a guy from presbytery and I found out this was open Tim who had married officiated my wife and I stood right in here he had retired. There was an interim. My heart started racing. But I said, no way, God. I was just living in Muskegon, Michigan. <laughs> Six months before that, I was like, no, I, was, I, I was snowblowing. You know, I was, I was, I was in, in another state. Brought me here. I drove around this place. I find out that It's open. Every Monday from then on, I just start praying around this building in this huge 12-passenger van on my way up to a halfway house that I'd pick up and drive to this recovery ministry. And I say, God, if it be your will, may it be so. Fast forward a couple weeks after Easter. It was actually the weekend after your women's retreat. When was your women's retreat? May somewhere. I'd preached, nailed it. Probably one of my best sermons I've ever preached in my life. And It was a Monday night. I was preaching up in Anaheim. Came home. Or Linda called me at 9.30 at p.m. And the whole search committee was in that room, fireside room on speakerphone. They said, we We'd like to offer you the call to be the head pastor of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Oh, yeah. I was on one side of the door. I was in Zeke's room. We, were, we went from a 2.2-acre home to an 800-square-foot place in, in South County. We called it the Party Shack. We had our dining room outside on the patio. Awesome. <laughs> and I'm in Zeke's room because it's, it's the quietest room in the house and my wife is on the other side, and she can hear that I've gotten it. I hear her hit the floor bawling and saying, God, you are faithful. He shows up. And this, is, this passage is a, is a reminder. Remember those times. Seal them to your heart. And then there's also this call in the passage. And what's the call? He points out, the author points out, when Moses died, or not Moses, when Abraham died, he only had a couple kids. Right? Let's let's read that. I'll read the verse 13 again. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. It's a call to keep perspective. I might not be here to see this outpost blow up or grow. In numbers. That's one thing. I'm reading through the Old Testament. There are large chunks of time where backstory is just happening. Right? What's your favorite Star Wars film? Anybody? Rogue One? Wow. That's a curveball. I quote Nora Anderson. I've seen a Star (laughs) Wars. I love you, Nora. (laughs) Anyway, mine is *Empire Strikes Back*. It's the one that all the backstory happens. In fact, most movies that I love, *Lord of the Rings*. What's your favorite? Any? *Twin Towers*. That's the second one. That's the second one. There's always hope. That's the theme of the Twin Towers there's always hope but you don't see any of the victories you don't see any of the battles in fact when, when uh, the second one of the original Star Wars you find out Darth Vader is Luke's father and then it ends <laughs> the enemy is like the the father of the the protagonist the end that's the credits roll. two towers everybody's dispersed everybody's losing I think that's the the reason they're my favorite is because they're the closest to reality. It looks like we're losing a lot. Right? Am I alone in that? If I turn on the news right now, listen 15, 20 minutes, you'll hear deplorable news that'll bring you to the depths of the darkness part of the world. There's intense stuff happening. And we're not called to hide from it. We're called to acknowledge it and we're called to go straight into it believing that the God that promised is going to come through. The God that we put our lives in, that we put our faith into has a plan. And that plan may be Jason doesn't do anything. Steve and I reflect on this a bunch. I think... Sometimes I was born to give Zeke life or Elsie life and maybe they're supposed to do something crazy. I know I'm supposed to remain faithful. I'm supposed to take what God says and do it. I'm supposed to cling to the hope of this table through thick and thin. And let God sort out the details. Abraham was laid in the ground. He had 12 children, probably at max. He's watching from heaven. How many children does he have? And count yourselves as part of that. Because the author of Hebrews says, you sure are. You're a child of Abraham. We're a part of that numerous stars. We're a part of that legacy that God promised Abraham. That's kind of the author's point. It's one of his points. Application. This table. We affirm that faith has worked in the past. God promised since the very beginning, since the fall, for a way out for a way for his creations, human beings, to be with him. Jesus is that fulfillment of that promise. He shows up. He showed up a couple thousand years ago, took all of our sins, nailed them to the tree on his one and only son. This table also calls us to cling Cling to the truth he promised he 's going to come back he 's going to come back for each and every one of us he 's going to wipe the tears from each and one of every one of us our eyes he 's going to say the sun is not going to set anymore there 's going to be no more suffering there 's going to be no more sorrow there 's going to be no more pain we 'll be dancing on streets of glory. And Jesus will be our king triumphant. And this table is a foreshadowing of that. So receive the affirmation Jesus paid for your sins and receive the call. Stay true to this. Whether heaven and earth shake around you shouldn't matter. God's word, he will bring us through. And all God's people said, as part of the service where we continue to be a part of the adventure, we remember all the times he came through for us financially. And we pledge and we pitch in to where this local outpost is headed. This morning's tithes and offerings are now received. And if you're in the sanctuary, we don't pass the plates. There's plates on the way out and if you're listening on the podcast please send your gifts, your tithes, your offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant P.O. Box 2128 Costa Mesa, California 92628 This morning's offerings and tithes are now received.
3: Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely? And for heaven and home, when Jesus? Is Peace.
5: Passage from Hebrew, we have been studying this morning, continues with many more examples of the people and events of the Bible reacting in faith and showing us where faith worked in the past. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, David picked up his slingshot and approached Goliath. Then it continues, and it reminds us that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we can lay aside all obstacles, and look to Jesus as the perfecter of our faith. And so in faith, we come to this table as a sacrament instituted by Jesus, knowing that in faith, Jesus is our Lord and Savior, present at this table. Jesus is inviting us to come to the feast that he has prepared. The table is set, come and be filled. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus gathered with his disciples. And after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Take, eat, and do so in remembrance of me. And today we too say, take, eat, in remembrance of me. So if you will take your little wafer out of the pod. take and eat. I forgot the prayer. Pray. So will you pray with me? You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your son, <clears throat> our Lord, to be for us the way the truth and the life. Revealing your love, he taught those who would hear him, healed those who believed in him, received all who sought him, and lifted the burdens of their sin. He inspired ordinary folk to spirit-filled living and displayed in his life, death, and rising again the power of your spirit. O God, in this world where many hunger and thirst, we are thankful for the humblest bread and the simplest drink. Yet the bread and drink on this table are much more than that. They are the sacred reminder of your son's death and of the words of promise he spoke to his disciples. Abide in me and I shall abide in you. Let the words come alive for us once more. Pour out your Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and drink, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Help us to see, to hear, to feel in these elements the words of everlasting life and comfort, spoken to our restless hearts. We lift our thanksgiving for this table and place it in our lives. Gather us together as a family is gathered at the meal. Make us attentive to the world of needs around us. And may Christ be the head of the table and the head of our lives this day and forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Do you know she made a mistake. I did. I love that because <laughs> I always make mistakes.
5: <laughs> that anyway, prayer Courtney, should have been right before. The I just prayer. love you as a teammate.
0: <laughs> you're my favorite person right now. <sighs> Anywho, I usually make the mistakes, so that was awesome. Anywho let me go let me just bask in this grace for a second, and then also, <laughs> as she was talking about that surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, I had the realization. Almost every Sunday is World Communion Sunday. I know most churches... Actually, I had worked at a church in Summit where we did communion every Sunday in the 8 o'clock service. And so I know at Mass, and they're followers of Jesus. They're breaking bread. Has anybody been to the L.A. Cathedral? Maybe we should cancel worship someday (laughs) and go up there on a bus... And go a two hundred and thirty three million dollar building, and it's a huge statement on the behalf of the Roman Catholic Church because the biggest cross there is an empty one. That that says a lot theologically in a building, uh, because usually they focus on the passion of the Christ. Protestants focus on the resurrection of, of the Christ, Jesus the Christ, and this huge alabaster cross. But as you walk in, there's tapestries on both sides of all like the old testament and all their new testament and post new testament saints mother teresa's up there all these and it feels like you're cr- surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and the author of hebrews is getting us to that point that's the end of the, the like where he, the author's headed in the text is to realize The person to your right and the person to your left, when God came through for them, God came through for you too. When God came through for Abraham, that's the same God that brought me here. That's the same God that came through for you in those moments of faith. I don't know if you were here a couple months ago. Sharon made another mistake, but it wasn't. It was a beautiful mistake. While pouring the cup, she just said, "Okay, forget it. There's no rules of gravity here." And she poured the cup, and there was <laughs> juice everywhere. Does anybody remember that? I do. But that's that's the picture of what we're we're celebrating here. Christ died. He broke his body, this body, and he poured out his blood. For the forgiveness of our sins. And I don't know about you, but when I was thinking back to those faith moments where God has come through, it's overflow moments. He doesn't come through, He He boils over, He He pours out, He unleashes. Right? Those moments where our little faith to get answered by the God we serve. Are huge moments usually, and you can't contain them. You, they're beautiful, and they're, and I think our author of Hebrews wants us to store those up and affirm those and remember, because they offset. Right now, our future looks bleak. We cling to those, this table as an affirmation, as a truth, so that we can hold on and faithfully go into dark, dark places. And Paul later adds the words, as often as we, Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, fill in your name there, as often as we break this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the truth that our faith in him is not blind stupidity. Our faith in him is assurance of things hoped for, we know through our mind's eye and through our faith's heart that God is going to come back and take us home and we proclaim that as we drink from the cup right now. So, I'm not drinking from that little cup because I got this big cup right here. <laughs> the cup of salvation Christ's blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. Powerful spirit live through us. Remind us moment by moment, hour by hour. in the days to come, the weeks to come, the months to come, the years to come the times you have come through for us, the times where we had just a little faith in what you said was going to happen, and it happened. Remind us of those so that they might be a catalyst in an engine to propel us to live in a world where we definitely don't see around the corner. We don't see how this is going to end well. But we trust you. We know you are faithful. We know you have a plan. We believe. Help our unbelief. And all God's people said. Amen. Please stand. No. Nope, we don't stand. Because it's Lord's Supper singing time. Right? We sing the Lord's Prayer after I do the benediction. I made a mistake. You trumped me again. Once again, Sharon, checkmate. The young kid doesn't know what he's doing still. Okay. Since you're seated, let's just put your hands out like this. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ which transcends all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.